Episode 209, we're going to talk about donor psychology. Trust me, it is not nearly as sciencey and nerdy as it might sound. But we're going to talk about how and why donors decide to engage with us and what they support and how they support causes. Here we go. Welcome to Funding the Performing Arts podcast. Open and frank discussion about supporting and growing the performing arts, such as instrumental, vocal, drama, dance, marching, and pageantry arts. So episode 209, we're going to talk a little bit about donor psychology, and largely we're going to recap an educational webinar that we held back in April with Dr. Greg Shelley. I'll tell you a little bit about him coming up. But first, I want to uh, thank many of you uh, that might be new to the podcast or new to fans raise in general. Uh, this is the time of the year where we get a lot of folks uh, that are responding to us. Maybe uh, maybe it's social media driven or email driven or uh, online marketing driven, but they're coming to fans raise and they're kicking our tires and they're getting to know us a little bit. And I'm seeing views on the blog, our podcast episodes uh, really being rung up quite a bit more frequently than would have been uh, the last few months. So welcome if you're new. Uh, to the uninitiated, our educational webinar series is a monthly webinar that we hold. It's completely free. And it's really designed to make the lives easier for ensemble directors and boosters and parent supporters that are charged with uh, developing money and fundraising and resources to help keep these very important programs moving forward. So this is something we, we started last year, although I think we recommitted to it in January and we're holding uh, monthly sessions. And uh, April's was particularly interesting. Uh, and it has to do with the area of donor psychology and why donors do what they do, why they behave the way they behave, why they respond or choose to engage with a campaign the way that they do. And I learned a lot actually in preparing to moderate the, the webinar with Dr. Greg Shelley. Um, first, <clears throat> just to level set a little bit in terms of who Greg is. So Dr. Shelley is the chair of the psychology department at Cutstown uh, University. Uh, he is a longtime marching arts guy uh, in the Philadelphia, southeastern Pennsylvania region. Um, Greg, actually up until very recently, was a marching member of the Reading Buccaneers Drum and Bugle Corps. Uh, he's been an active instructor and uh, educator for high school band. He's also a band parent. Uh, and he handles all the money for a Drum Corps Associates DCA, uh, all ages drum corps called the Reading Buccaneers. And if you're not familiar with them, uh, you should definitely look up the Reading Buccaneers or go pop onto YouTube and take a look at their, a f you know, a few of their recent show productions. They are uh, one of those groups in the DCA competitive circuit that is just crushing everybody. Uh, they're, they're very, very aggressively programmed and they really look at the drum corps activity um, like it's DCI. I mean, they're, the expectations put on the performers and the designers uh, of those productions is just incredible stuff. So um, it's not your your grandparents' old-timey DCA drum corps, that's for certain. And I think a lot of groups are going that, that vein as well. They're going that route. And I think it's great. I think it's great for the activity. And I think a lot of these groups, their age... 
demographics are getting younger because a lot of kids are going to DCA to prep and get prepared and have an experience that'll lead them to a successful audition with a DCI drum corps. So suffice to say, Red and Buccaneers Drum and Bugle Corps, they are an independent nonprofit performing organization. It's a 501c3. And they they don't have a a booster organization like a high school band would. Uh, and suffice to say, they have to do a lot of that on their own. So the, the dynamics change a little bit. And as a result, a lot of those members, those members pay a tuition uh, to perform and, and to participate for the season. Uh, but above and beyond the tuition, they also have to fundraise quite a, quite a, a bit. And in talking to Greg and, and preparing for the webinar that we had together, um, he was very clear and, and very frank and said, you know, traditionally, a lot of our fundraising has not been uh, well executed or well planned. And he's really trying to change that as uh, a, a, a newbie to that position. So um, one of the things, you know, full disclosure, uh, the Reading Buccaneers are currently involved uh, as of the recording of this podcast with a fans raise campaign. They're doing pretty good. Um, and they are fundraising for new equipment. So new brass instruments, new percussion. Uh, they've got a lot going on. So a uh, lot of things to pay for. And we're helping uh, ease some of the burden for that. So um, Greg definitely brings more of the psychology uh, element to the discussion. And if you are interested and you would like to hear a recording or view an on-demand recording of that webinar session, do me a favor. Just shoot me an email at brian at fansraise.com. And in the subject line, just note podcast listener would like to have the donor psych webinar recording. And I'll happily send that over to you. Uh, it'll take 20 seconds to do it. <clears throat> so a couple of the things that we established and we learned uh, in terms of the overall landscape of charitable giving, giving by individuals far outdistances the giving by corporations and foundations. And actually, uh, almost 75% of all donations that uh, a charity would would take in uh, is typically going to come from individuals making that donation. Uh, and we also determined that the, the fourth quarter or that time between uh, the holidays, say right around Thanksgiving all the way out to New Year's, uh, that is typically where most of your high net worth donors are going to decide to make charitable donations. So that's good news because then you can, if you run a, a campaign in November, December, uh, it typically, you know, it, 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 you know, things may go your way from a luck standpoint. The other side of that is that for some of our activities, let's say marching bands, sometimes November, December, you're already completed your season. Uh, and then once you hit championships or your 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 final uh, performance in the fall, the kids in some programs go their separate ways. And you may see a few of them for, for concert band during the day. You kind of lose the color guard for the most part. Maybe you see the drum line, maybe you don't. Um, you know, sometimes if you have a competitive program where you have uh, winter uh, indoor guard and winter percussion, you know, the mind, their mindset shifts to that. <clears throat> so having one of the things we see with fans raise is, you know, when you have that captive audience of students in front of you at rehearsal on a regular basis, then 
you're typically much better off in terms of communicating and keeping a campaign top of mind. So that's just something to think about. And, you know, typically giving to education and giving towards the arts and culture and humanities are both on the upswing uh, just as of the last couple of years, which bodes well for our performing arts activities. A um, couple of the things that primarily drive behavior for donors. Number one, it feels good. Uh, there's a certain element of personal and social prestige that comes along with, with making a contribution. And a lot of times donors are actually going to be moved off of their center or pushed forward to donate through some sort of a story. Uh, it's got to be compelling and captivated, captivating story. Um, there are three, the top three reasons that donors will give to an organization. Uh, 59% say, I'm passionate about the cause. 45% say, I know that organization. I know I care about that organization and they're depending on my donation. My donation. And then 33%, roughly one third, says, I know somebody that's directly going to be impacted by this cause. So th those make sense. And that kind of jives with what we already know and assume is true, uh, at least the uh, the way that we approach this with fans raise. So there are definitely uh, some psychological effects that influence campaigns and donations and donors. Uh, the identifiable, identifiable victim effect. Um, and that's a term that's more of a psychological term, the identifiable person or the victim uh, is the person that will benefit from the campaign. Now, victim sounds very dire and dark and natural disaster-ish. Um, that's not always the case, obviously. Obviously, it's a disaster if the band doesn't get to go on the band trip, uh, but it's not like clean water in a third world country. Um, so I think we, we keep all of this in, in its appropriate perspective. Uh, but it's basically who benefits and who who actually is the beneficiary of the campaign effort and our suggestions align with profiling them, presenting individual stories um, and, and bringing it down to maybe more of a, of a localized level uh, for a student or for a particular aspect of your, let's say your music program. There's another effect called normative decision-making and this kind of gets into the area of when a donor is brought to a campaign page, let's say, and they don't know how, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to give, how much to give. Um, and this is, an, an, a, I guess, a phenomena where actually providing some structure around your giving. For a $50 donation, you are uh, buying three flags for the color guard. Or for a $100 donation, you are purchasing 20 cubic feet of our new equipment trailer. Um, things like that. So you're able to put things in a context where, well, that's what everyone else is doing. Maybe publishing the giving of others uh, where appropriate. Uh, so that that really just provides a bit of a safety net. Like, oh, hey, it's okay. You know, $50 is appropriate. $100 is appropriate. $10 is appropriate. Uh, one of the things, just as a side note, that I find that campaigns that issue a statement that says something along the lines of uh, your donation, big and small, big or small, is appreciated or every dollar counts. And campaigns that really um, have that pervading theme tend to get a lot of $5 and under micro donations. So 
if that's what you're looking for, you know, knock yourself out. But uh, typically, we suggest an incentivized, uh, tiered type of 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 suggested uh, donation. And I can send you some examples on what that would look like. So for $25, you get the decal. Uh, for $50, you get the decal and the t-shirt. For $75, you get the decal, the t-shirt, and the name mentioned uh, at the concert, let's say, uh, etc. And we have suggestions and we've written blog posts on it on how you can orchestrate those types of tiered incentivized uh, donation behaviors. Something called immediacy bias is another psychological effect that we talked about on the webinar. Uh, I think emotions drive giving. And when there's sympathy involved, when there's worry involved, uh, you know, causes that generate immediate and strong emotions are typically the most, uh, have the highest pr propensity for larger giving. Uh, so if you have something that's time sensitive, uh, for instance, we had this opportunity to purchase an equipment trailer for our band program and we have to make the initial down payment by the end of this month we're starting a, a donation drive campaign and we really need your help and we need it now and that type of theme really urges the the donor to move forward things that are chronic or long-term needs typically generate a little less intense emotions so generating that short-term urgency is really key and this is really largely dependent on how you wordsmith your ask. And we've gone into that uh, in various blog posts and different resources that we publish. So something great to think about. And then something called the goal proximity effect. And I thought this is very interesting. And this is something I always, I didn't know it had a name, <laughs> which is kind of funny because we typically will see donate donation drives, crowdfunding campaigns get really close. If they get above 80% to goal, um, Typically, those are the campaigns that are going to jump over the over the line, and they're going to, you know, just catch a little bit of a tailwind, and all of a sudden they finish at 105, 110 percent. And I think getting close to the goal amplifies that campaign need. It's like, look, we're so close, please help us. And that I didn't know it had a name, and it is. It has a name. It's called the goal proximity effect. One last thing I wanted to profile: the motivator hygiene theory. Now, hygiene is typically a term that you wouldn't think would find its way into uh, content like this. But um, hygiene is basically like the maintenance of the decision-making process. Uh, so the hygiene from a donor standpoint is the donor's minimum expectations of uh, making a donation. So on a baseline, they assume the, that there's some degree of organizational success that it's organized, it's not fly-by-night, it's not a scam. Uh, the donation process is hassle-free. There's some degree of information security being observed where, um, you know, if I'm going to make an online donation, I'm not going to get, you know, completely spammed or sold off on the lists. I'm going to get a receipt for my donation. So just the various legitimacy uh, characteristics of the donor relationship. And then there are motivators to that theory as well in terms of once you meet the minimum expectations, what do you do to go beyond that? So the ability to delight donors and create an ongoing relationship, such as a thank you message, such as publicly thanking the donors, uh, as long as you have their permission to do so, of course, uh, some sort of follow up to show that 
the funds were actually used to create either the purchase or the experience that they were helping to support. Um, maybe it's some sort of exclusive content or some special access. So, uh, you know, things, you know, where you have the minimum expected and then you go above and beyond. Um, that all uh, corresponds to that motivator hygiene theory. Now, those are the different psychological principles that we explored on the webinar. And one of the things that we did with fans raise with the way that we orchestrate our campaigns, the way we put everything together is that we actually observe all of those different elements. So when we make the ask personal, um, students that participate in a fans raise campaign, when you land on their donation page, you actually see a, a photograph of the student and their name. And that way, you know, you understand the linkage between you and the ensemble or the donor and the performing ensemble um, that we're working with. So making that ask personal, um, you know, the, the emails that are sent uh, to potential donors asking for support are contextualized and they're personalized and they make sense. You know, they're, they're in the voice of the organization or the student. I think that those are key. Those are key to getting people to respond. Uh, normative decision-making. We've, we've published quite a few um, different elements within, a, within campaigns to provide that feeling of, hey, it's okay to, to, to step up and, and donate. Uh, we show the progress of the campaign uh, in kind of a, a thermometer bar, if you will, uh, showing what percent to goal the, the campaign is. Uh, we have several ensembles that have actually put together their tiered donation suggestions. So for $500, you get your name on the equipment truck and you get your name sewn in the new band uniforms that we're, uh, that we're purchasing. Uh, and you get the hat and the decal and recognition in the program. Things like that. Uh, the immediacy bias is just the ability to create uh, that urgency. And that's something we, we highly suggest our, our partner ensembles do when they put together their ask. And that's typically determined by you or the uh, fundraising ensemble that we're working with. Um, that, that's your call, not ours, but we help you facilitate that. Uh, and I think that motivator hygiene theory, uh, just meeting the basic requirements, the, the receipt, the thank you, the, the donation acknowledgement, um, those are elements that are just, those are automated within our, our workflow process. So uh, we cover all of those bases. So I really think as, as a final takeaways, what we explored was that the ability to tap into multiple emotional triggers when you put together a campaign is really key. And you really can't, when you do a campaign with us, when you put a fundraising donation drive campaign together with fans raise, these are all baked in. For the most part, like you really don't have to worry about it because it's all built into the workflow and built into the system, uh, which is great. So the less that you have to worry about, the, the, the easier life becomes for the, the boosters or the directors or whoever is in charge of, of trying to provide for, for our students and our, our favorite performers. So, so with that, uh, if anyone listening to this podcast would like to actually see the recording and view the recording, hear the recording of myself and Dr. Greg Shelley from Cutstown University and from the Reading Buccaneers Drum and Bugle Corps talk. Uh, he's a great 
great presenter. Uh, my job was very easy <laughs> and uh, just being able to get the, uh, the best out of him in terms of the content uh, was definitely one of our more highly successful uh, educational sessions that we've done. So, and also if you are interested in staying in the loop on when we're having webinars and when we're doing these different educational uh, sessions, my best advice would be to follow us on Facebook, you know, like our page and then follow our page and look at our events. And we will always keep everyone abreast of what we're doing uh, and what we're doing. So with that, my name is Brian Gilbert, and I want to thank you again for listening to the Funding the Performing Arts podcast. It's been our pleasure to have you. Please remember to subscribe and check it out wherever you get your podcast stuff. We'll catch you next time. Thanks.